Life isn't about avoiding the bruises. It's about collecting the scars to prove that we showed up for it. Join Nikki Seberini for the next hour as she explores heroism through illness. There is a warrior inside each of us. This is LifeLinks with the DL Link. LifeLinks is a funding initiative of the DL Link. I have Professor Janet Poole on the line, who is a pediatric oncologist, um, to tell us a little bit more about this cancer. Professor, welcome and thank you so much for joining us. Thank you very much. Can you hear me? Okay. Perhaps you can tell us, uh, Professor, a little bit more about neuroblastoma. I haven't really heard much about it. What, what type of cancer is it? Um, it's a childhood cancer, um, and it occurs in the, either in the adrenal gland, which is a gland that sits on top of the kidney, or in the sympathetic nervous system, which is a, a, a the nerves that run up and down the spine, on either side of the spine. Um, it actually only, usually occurs in children that are less than three years of age. That's the mm-hmm. most common incidence. Um, and um, it's got a very... Um, very variable biological, um, well, the, the activity of it is very variable depending on, on, on the stage that it presents. Um, unfortunately, a lot of children present in stage four, which because it's of its activity of, because it's of it, what it does. And, um, therefore that requires a lot of treatment. Um, so apart from the primary site, the, the neuroblastoma can spread to the bone marrow, which mm-hmm. can cause a lot of bone pain and then mm-hmm. to bone, um, uh, a lot of bony sites, which is what Katya had. Um, she had a lot of bone and bone marrow involvement as well. So her age of presentation yeah. is very unusual. Yeah, exactly. I mean, how often do you see it in kids? I mean, she was 10. She had just turned 10. How often do you see it in kids that age? Um, not very often, um, at all. And, and so unfortunately, they usually, um, don't do as well as Katia has done. So we are very, very happy that, that Katia is actually in remission and doing well. She's responded very well to treatment. Thank God for that. So, Professor, let me say, just for understanding, you're saying that very often it's, it, you, it, it is, um, because I asked, I asked Sabina about whether there was pain or, you know, how they were alerted to the fact that Katya wasn't well and it was really this broken, this knee that she had damaged while dancing, um, and that it just wasn't healing. So, am I, am I understanding you correctly that you say that you only become aware of it when it's already quite far into maybe a stage three, stage four? Um, yes, that's the most, the most common uh, presentation. So we think that the stage one and stage two neuroblastomas, which offer, which usually presented at a very young age, are somehow, um, their activity is different to the ones that present with stage three and stage four. So it's not, it's, it's something that doesn't progress, um, like other cancers. It's, it either, it either presents as an early stage, in which case the prognosis is actually very good, or it presents at a late stage where the prognosis is not so good. 
Um, and you, yes, carry on. Sorry, and carry it's got on. nothing to do with with it being diagnosed late. It's it's how it presents. And, and perhaps you can tell us how it does present. Um, and I've read that sometimes there's a slight lump in the throat area or the chest or the abdomen. Um, so it's, it's, so it either, it's, it can present with a, a lump in the neck. Um, and those ones usually present at an early, st- uh, you know, either stage one or stage two. So the ones in the neck, um, they press on a nerve and they cause problems with the eye, which we call Horner's syndrome, which makes mm-hmm. the, um, the pupil not, uh, very small and, 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 um, and a little bit of drooping of the eyelid. Um, and then it can present in the chest. And because, um, it's near the spine, it can actually infiltrate into the spinal, uh, canal and press on the spinal cord so sometimes it can present with a weakness of the legs and then not being able to control bladder and bowel um that's fairly rare but it 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 does present like that or it can present with a lump in the tummy uh, like um the adrenal gland or somewhere a big uh, mass in the in the in the tummy or down where the bladder is, um, so that they have problems with, um, constipation and not being able to pass, uh, urine very easily. So there's multiple ways that they can present. Um, so it's, it's quite a difficult answer to get to. And, and professor, how, um, in, in Kutch's case, for example, what kind of treatment are you looking at? So we're looking at a, at a combination. So, so she was, um, a stage four and, and what we would call high risk. Mm -hmm. So we gave her, um, induction chemotherapy. Um, we then checked to see if her bone marrow had been cleared of her disease, which it had luckily. So then we harvested the stem cells, um, and uh we did some surgery to remove the bulk of the of the tumor in the in the in the in the tummy in the abdomen and then we um gave did a uh, autologous stem cell transplant so what that means is we we take her own stem cells from her bone marrow we freeze them then we give her very very high dose chemotherapy um to wipe out Hopefully all the cancer and in the process, her own bone marrow gets wiped out completely. And then we rescue her with her own stem cells. Um, <laughs> and then, um, and then she, her bone marrow starts growing again. And, uh, thereafter we give her some radiation to the sites that we needed to give radiation to, um, just to make sure that everything was, was dead. Um, and then we are giving her treatment at the moment to mature the red blood, to mature the, um, any kind of cancer cells that are left. Um, it's basically retinoic acid, which is the acne medication and it makes this, the cells mature into something that's not a malignant, um, cancer. So any cells that are left in the body, we're maturing. Um, wow, that's incredible. Wow, that really is incredible treatment, mm-hmm. Professor. 
So it's it's quite intense and um and uh, involves a lot of time in hospital. Um but Katya uh, has been an absolute star. Um and she yeah. she's actually exceeded all our expectations uh, mm. with her treatment. Um well, it's incredible. It's, and it's, it's her family have also been incredible to have the the mum having breast cancer together with Katya at the same time. They have been absolutely um they've taken it they've taken it by the horns and they've run with it. And we are very um proud of this whole family um wow. in, in going through this this cancer together. We've had such inspiring guests on the show today. Um, Mom and daughter, Sabina and Katia Kignoli, uh, both of them going on a cancer journey with such strength and courage together. Sabina with uh, breast cancer and uh, Katia with neuroblastoma. Uh, Both of them, thank God, in remission. And I have Professor Janet Poole, who is a pediatric oncologist on the line. We've been talking about neuroblastoma and the kind of treatment that Katia underwent. Um, And Professor, you were just talking about just what a strong, brave, incredible girl she is, that her family are phenomenal. This is extensive treatment that she's been through. Um, uh, You're talking about these stem cells. You're talking about chemotherapy. Repeat about surgery, um, radiotherapy. Um, moving forward, um, Professor, with this, this kind of acne medication you spoke about, fixing those cells. Um, what does does Katya have to go for regular checkups? What 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 kind of plan is there in place for for children who have experienced the neuroplastoma? So um, the follow up is um, we we follow them up for a long time. Um, initially we see her every six weeks. We follow her with scans. Uh, she doesn't really need to have a bone marrow, um, bone marrow tests anymore unless we are worried about something. Um, we have a, there's a particular scan that we do. It's, it's because neuroblastoma secretes, um, a, a substance. So we can do a special scan, which will light up any, um, disease in the body, including the bones. Um, so she will, she needs to be followed up with those kind of scans quite regularly. Um, you know, we also have to check for long-term effects, you know, on the bones and et cetera. So she's going to be followed up for some time to come. Um, in an, initially it's every six weeks and then, um, after a year, then we move the, the checkups to, uh, less often and so on and so forth. But we're going to be following Katya up for at least five years, if not longer. How, how, um, how prevalent is a neuroblastoma? Um, it's not, uh, it's not as, um, uh, it's not as common as, um, the most common childhood cancer is leukemia, followed by brain tumors. Um, and then in, in, in a place like South Africa, which, which we are, Probably a low middle income country. Neuroblastoma is not as prevalent um, as um, other parts of the world. For instance, in Japan, the prevalence of neuroblastoma is very high for some unknown reason. We don't actually know why. Um, but it's not, it's quite a rare, rare um, cancer. Um, uh, in our unit, we see probably around, you know, fewer than 10 cases a year. 
um, mm-hmm. if that. Um, um, so it's not it's not a common, and most of them occur in young children, in very young children, um, under the age of three. Um, and what are the and and how do you, at that age how are they responding to um, their treatment? Do they have um, that extensive treatment to cut your head? Um, yes, some of them will have that kind of treatment. Um, there's a special stage called 4S, which um, which occurs in children that are under the age of one, and they present in a very specific way. Um, and those ones usually do much better, but it's not as common as the as the other stages. Um, so they we doesn't matter what the age of the child is. We follow the specific protocol and, um, we, we move forward with, with all of these kind of, of treatments. And, um, of course the, the chemotherapy is based on the, on the, on the weight, height and surface area of the child. So we don't just give the same dose to mm. someone who's cut years age to someone who's only two or one year of age. Yeah. So um, it's based on the age, but obviously, um, you know, young children are, are, you know, they get sicker quicker and, uh, you know, they still get, they get sick, but they do have all the support of their parents and everybody and they can, um, you know, come through this whole thing, um, on the other side. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Professor, last question. Um, mm. I asked um, uh, Sabina and also Katya, you know, as you said, what a story with this family, both of them. How was it with you working with different uh, uh, oncologists, I, I presume, with Sabina's treatment? Uh, were you able to connect the two so that they could go for treatments together? How how complicated was it and how important was it for you to maintain um, a, a positive state of mind in, in both of them, um, which could really just support one another's treatment? Well, I mean, it was just a matter of, of, of arranging. Look, obviously, if the schedules didn't fit, you know, if we had to proceed and one was delayed or the other one was delayed, we had to proceed. But, yeah. um, we managed to allow, um, Sabina and Katya to get their chemo at the same time. Um, the nursing, the, the, it is basically a problem of nursing and, and the room and, and everything in, at, at the hospital. So we coordinated the doctors, the, that we coordinated the room. And, um, so it didn't always work out that they got their chemo at the same time, but the most of the time it did. And of but course, you certainly when, tried your best. When Katya was having a, her autologous transplant, um, the mom could not be there. So the dad had, um, stayed with Katya instead, um, mm. because, um, because of the extreme low immunity that Katya had at the time and that because it was in the middle of COVID, um, we could only allow one person to stay with her at the time. And so the dad stayed with her all the time. Um, and at the time we weren't allowing, the hospital wasn't allowing any visitors or anybody else to swap. Um, and that was because of COVID. Um, so we had to make sure that Katya never got an infection mm-hmm. with because her blood count was very, very low and she was very immune suppressed at the time. 
So it was all, um, you know, we had to, to try and, and make sure that everything was okay during COVID, um, at the time. Yeah. I mean, hugely challenging. As you say, I mean, Katya was old in terms of children getting this kind of cancer. Then you're dealing with a young girl whose mother had just been diagnosed during a time of COVID. So many, so many considerations, Professor, and yet going ahead with this treatment and having an incredible out, outcome. I suppose you and your team must be feeling pretty good uh, about how it's all played out. Um, yeah, we are, we're very happy. And, you know, yeah. obviously we have to, we, we are quietly optimistic, we'll say, <laughs> because, yeah. um, you know, we have to really follow up. It's early days still. Um, mm. so we still have to do the follow up, but, yeah. um, looking at her, I mean, we, she's just had a few scans done this week. They are looking absolutely great. So at the moment, so we're very happy. Thank God moment. for that. Mm. Oh, thank mm. God for that. Professor, thank you so much for your time. I know that you're busy. Thank you for explaining it so clearly, um, for all of our listeners. Um, we do appreciate it and do take care. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you.